From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. For our last episode with Marie Raboyne of Brick Cider, we tap into her conservation expertise and learn about smartly using cover crops as livestock forage and how that helps your business bottom line while building soil fertility. Marie Raboyne runs Brick Cider, a hard cider company, farm to table restaurant, and small orchard with her husband Matt, as well as raising two young kids, Teddy and Vera. Marie has worked in conservation agriculture for over 15 years with the Natural Resources Conservation Service, Land Conservation and UW Extension, as well as the Director of Agroecology at a local NGO in Malawi, Africa. With degrees in soil science and agroecology, Marie has focused her work on supporting farmers that practice conservation agriculture, specifically managed grazing and cover cropping systems. We are wrapping up things with Marie Raboyne of Brick Cider Pub, but she wears many hats, including also working for Dane County Land Conservation. And yep. you that's where you started. I mean, you still are there of helping people, landowners, farmers in building healthy soil, bottom line, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And clean water, healthy practices soil. And all of that. Yep. And one area we'd love to pick your brain on is um, using cover crops as livestock forage, which yeah. is something we don't always think about, but needs some thought and technique. And and why would a farmer want to consider that? Yeah, I think there's, well, I can't, that's it's interesting. I wanted to figure this all out. I think um, I work primarily with livestock producers, dairy and beef. And over the past couple of years, it's just margins are getting thinner and thinner. Oh, sure. And so what I, my, in my mind, we're not going to see the price of milk go up dramatically or the price of per pound of beef, I don't think, go up dramatically. So producing more of something isn't really going to increase our bottom line. But what we can do is if we can decrease the amount it costs us to produce that pound of milk or pound of beef, that's where we're going to see money in the bank and see our our farms hopefully doing a little bit better on the on the revenue end of things. And so one of the questions I had is, um, you know, in Wisconsin, we grow these crops, corn and soybeans predominantly, that are on the landscape for four months. And then the other eight months of the year, we really don't have much growing. Um, that's not good for soil health. It's not good for water quality. It's not good for flood management. Um, but it's also an opportunity, like, can we grow something on, on these shoulder seasons mm. that can produce enough... Um, you know, enough carbohydrates, enough sugars, enough protein that we can feed it to something and then increase, basically increase the bottom line that way. And so 
Um, cover crops is something that really started as like we need to fix our soils and this is a way that we can keep a living root in the ground. Um, we can diversify our plant populations. But also to me, like this is another opportunity to, pot to potentially grow a forage crop. And so I, I wrote a SARE grant last year, a partnership grant through, through my job so at we Dane gotta, County. We've got to talk acronym soup yes. for folks. So SARE, SARE is Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. It's a USDA-funded um, grant, which I've gotten a couple different ones in the past, but this one was really on with more of my professional hat. And I got five farmers that I'm working with, and it's really just to get them to try out a bunch of different cover crops. Um, so we're focusing on growing crops outside of their main cropping system, so outside of corn, beans, and wheat. Oh, interesting. And, and the, the farm partnership grants you're talking about, bring together a group of farmers like you did to share their expertise yeah and create resources for folks and we here are in north central sare yep. there's four regions around the country and yeah great great resource both for and the thing with all of the sare grantees nationally is the point is to share your results right so there's a huge database of all of these past grants yeah people can look up yours yep. and and read exactly what we're talking about but. yeah yeah so i've got this group of five um Five farms, two two dairy, two dairy, three beef, um, and we're looking at different different ways of utilizing cover crops. So the first one, the low hanging fruit, is cereal rye after soybeans. So we work with a pilot in Dane County. He flies on the cereal rye seed onto standing soybeans or um, standing corn for silage. He flies the the cover crop on in the fall. Cereal rye is. Um, it overwinters, so it, it'll germinate a little bit in the fall, and then you really get a lot of your forage in the spring. So then in the spring, what we've done is worked on different different timings of the cutting, and then not really different timings of the cutting, but can we graze it, or are we just going to harvest it for stored feed? Um, and then what's nice is you harvest it early enough that you can then um, plant either your corn or soybean crop into it. So you're not you're not replacing your corn, soybean, or wheat. You're just you're growing something on the periphery, on those shoulders. And so what we found is, at least in this first year, cereal rye, we're getting, you know, two to three tons of forage. It's not a super high quality forage, but good enough for beef, dry cows, heifers. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of forage. And, and Wisconsin and the upper Midwest in general, we're looking at a forage crisis right now. Um, we had a lot of winter kill last year. So any time someone can put up winter feed, they need to be doing it. And if we're leaving our soils bare... From October to March, April, May, we are not taking enough advantage, and we need to start taking advantage of those seasons. Um, so this is all fairly new as a movement, or is it? It's funny because it's not. The, oh, I was going to say it doesn't. It's not that new. A lot of dairy farms used to always plant rye after um, after a, a more traditional, like after a corn crop or a silage, especially after silage because it comes off so early. Um, so really all the time but for some reason that kind of went out of favor in a lot of places and we're just kind of bringing it back and experimenting with it and and not just growing it and harvesting it but taking 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 forage samples making sure that the quality is where we need it and then actually finding out like is this worth it monetarily can you grow enough forage to make it worth the cost of the harvest and the seed cost and, and any other management costs but you you also too have multiple wins right because the cover crops are Enhancing the soil fertility. Absolutely. That's what I mean. So now we've got a living root in the ground all year. When we're flying, when we fly a, a cover crop on, there is not a month in the year where there isn't a living root in that soil. 
which is really great. And also, having a pilot fly on your cover crop for you saves you a ton of labor. You don't have to have the drill, and you don't have to have the time in the fall to get it drilled. Um, so we've seen, really, last year we had, we had a lot of success with the cover crop being flown on. Mm-hmm. Um, some farms want to drill it, and that's great, too. If they've got the capacity, they've got the equipment and the labor, they can drill it. But cereal rye was really the first one, low-hanging fruit. The other one we grew a lot of this year was sorghum Sudan grass. And um, that really came into play this year on our prevent plant acres. So prevent plant are acres that were too wet to be planted at the beginning of the year, farmers couldn't get in to put their regular traditional row crop in, corn or beans. And so maybe they got in by mid-July when things actually did dry out. And they were able to plant this sorghum Sudan, which is acting as both a cover crop. But then they can take two to three cuttings off of that and get probably around five tons of, um, of forage, which is wow. really great. That's huge. Um, we tried to mix it. You know, some people did straight sorghum Sudan. You can do sorghum Sudan and millet or turnips, kale, all these different options. Um, so that was really taking advantage of the wet spring. Yeah. Like just because you couldn't plant that field doesn't mean we shouldn't plant that field. Like that's So I, I ran a couple workshops, really last-minute stuff, getting people in and um, figuring out seed mixes so that they can – they can get those prevent plant acres planted and they can grow some forage on them. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was, that was, this year was pretty busy. Is that all part of that Sarah? No, that was that, separate. Did that wrap up? The Sarah this, Grant? Yeah. No, the Sarah Grant, I'm just in my first year and oh, that okay. really was weather independent. We were just trying to look at grazing cover crops. Yeah. And, and what I was really trying to do is with the Sarah Grant is just get people talking. Yeah. So we yeah. do a lot of like one-on-one, two-on-one pasture walks or um, bringing some really experienced growers into a really small group. I find that these big group settings don't work for farmers. They need one-on-one, two-on-one, where they feel comfortable with each other, asking questions. So um, a big part of the budget, really the entire budget of that grant, was paying farmers for their time. So if I'm going to bring Darren Darren Yonke from Echo Y Farms, who's super innovative, I'm going to pay him for that day that he comes down and talks to my farmers for me, you know, Um, which a lot of times we don't get paid for our time. And I think that's a real problem. So I think Sarah was supportive of the grant, even though it really wasn't researchy. It was community building focused. Yeah. But the fact that you honor the farmers and I would say expect that people are paid for their time. You Absolutely. wouldn't expect your accountant. You would expect Dale. Right. <laughs> right. And paid, and paid generously for their time. Right. Right. Well, it's know? expertise needs to be shared, can really amplify yep. in those situations, but it's often overlooked, yep. you know, and yep. it, um, it's that mutual respective time. Yep. But uh, yeah, Sarah's really good about honoring the farmer value yes. on that. Yeah. Well, that's great. They, um, so, so basically there's different ones that can overwinter you're saying and then some are more seasonal yeah i think figuring out what's right for your land to get it right and to get it back to kind of the risk management part is that like i said we're in this forage shortage if we get another cold winter we're going to be in trouble so what where this all stems from is last winter was really cold people thought they had adequate feed put up but to keep body condition on animals last winter required 30% more feed than is oh, normal. Shit. And so what happened is people found themselves in a really crappy tight spot in March. The pastures aren't performing yet, so we can't get animals out. We can't take our first cut of alfalfa. 
until middle of May. And so people were in a, in a forage shortage. And it's not because they didn't prepare. It's because we had a really cold winter. Which could happen again. Which could happen again or something else happens. And then on top of that, because it was so cold, we had tons of hay winter kill this year. So not only were people short, but they didn't have their first cutting of hay. Oh, so it was really tough. People spent a lot of money on hay. Hay auctions were raking in the dough. And so back to the risk mitigation on cover crops is that I think that even if you, let's say you plant that cereal rye, and I tell corn corn bean growers, so cash grain, they have no livestock. Cereal rye is, there's no way for them to make money on cereal rye unless they can sell it as a forage. More farms that I'm working with now that don't have livestock are growing cereal rye just in case. Oh, so if, if added insurance, yeah. So maybe that's something that they can sell. Uh-huh. Or I've I've had a, several farms talk to their neighbors and say, "Hey, can I grow you some forage uh-huh. with cereal rye? I'll you know if you I'll grow it, you chop it and bale it. We'll call it a win. I got a cover crop out of it, which is what I really want. You can get some forage out of it. That's a real um, win. So that's a ton of risk mitigation. And what I like about that is it's a win for the cash grain grower who normally doesn't. You know, cover crops, I know that there's a monetary value to growing a cover crop, but it's not a real monetary value. It's a soil health value. So your nutrients are going to cycle. Which is priceless, but it's not cash. Yeah. But what I like about growing forages for the neighbor or for a small beef herd is that you actually turn that cover crop into a cash, a cash outcome as yeah. well as, as gaining the soil health benefits. And so I've tried my hardest to partner up cash grain growers and livestock growers this past spring, especially with the prevent plant saying, Hey, you've got a neighbor who's going to need forage. Why don't you guys work something out? Yeah. So I think, I think, like I said before, you can put the cereal rye in the ground. If you don't need the forage in the spring, spray it out till it, whatever you have to do to, to terminate that cover crop. You've still had a cover crop in the ground. If you do end up needing the forage, it's there for you. So, yeah. I think it's okay. a good, it's a it's 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 a good hedge on bets. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. We really synthesized that well. Thank you. Excellent. And people can look for your Sarah Grant results in think a next year, year. too. Right? Yep. <laughs> It'll be there. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our In Her Boots podcast. I'm your host Lisa Kiverist with the Moses In Her Boots project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverist of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.